For this segment of Tech Talk with Johnson College, Dr. Katie Leonard hosts Steve Madura, Marketing Director at Johnson Controls, where they discuss the impact that industry-driven education has on those pursuing a trade and advancements happening in the HVAC trade. So as I'm recording this, we are into our third week of classes. Uh, We're celebrating the largest number of students in our history here at Johnson College. Um, And we've been reopened since July 6th, and we've had no positive COVID cases to report. Um, So I'm sitting here and I'm reflecting on all of this, and one word comes to mind. Uh, That word is grateful. I'm grateful to our students, um, both new and returning, uh, for having faith in our hybrid model. I'm grateful for the Johnson College uh, board members who have supported our plans um, very early on. And I'm most grateful, I think, to the faculty and staff. Uh, They haven't missed a beat. And, you know, I wish everyone could see them because the faculty especially, they are knocking it out of the park in terms of not just following our safety plan, but the way in which they are dedicated to delivering our hands-on education to our students. Um, I'm also grateful to my family and friends for understanding that we need to do what we need to do because our students and the industries we serve uh, are so essential to even our most basic functions in life. Uh, So I guess I'm making my my first request to all of you listening, Um, and that is, you know, we could all try to be grateful. Uh, We're all dealing with this pandemic differently. Uh, I feel like it continues to to dominate our conversations in our world. Uh, I have to believe that we're all trying our best. Uh, As I look around, uh, it's not lost on me that this is changing uh, many of us and probably in ways we don't even realize yet. Uh, For some of us, I think it's helping us realize just how creative and innovative Um, that we can be when we're faced with challenges. And I think for others of us, it's, it's driving us to double down on what we believe and, you know, finally have the courage to state it uh, and state it proudly. Um, And I feel, you know, whatever we're feeling, um, it's, it's okay. Uh, Ryan Leckie from WNEP was on campus recently. and We were talking about this, just how much interesting mail he's getting and Facebook messages and tweets. Um, and it's all related to the pandemic and how people are feeling about, you know, these things that we're talking about, masking and distancing um, and, you know, staying away from each other and how it's just bringing out sometimes the best in all of us and the worst in all of us. Um, but I still go back to the fact that if we can just be grateful and remind ourselves that it's all going to be okay, I have to believe um, that that might help even just a little bit. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, something I'm grateful for are our board members and friends that like, I can count on at times like this. And my guest on this show is both of those. Mr. Steve Madura, the market director for Johnson Controls. He is an HVAC expert. We talk about how COVID has made us think differently about the air we breathe and the systems that are put in place to keep us healthy and safe and how our students at Johnston, Johnson College are instrumental in keeping these systems functioning well for all of us. So I hope you enjoy, I hope you learn something, and I hope above all else, um, like me, you have a lot to which to be grateful for. Thanks for listening. 
Well, thanks so much for being here with me today. Um, we're going to jump right into it and with a topic that is on everybody's mind, obviously, COVID-19. Um, just conversations I've been having with some of the local health officials here, they're talking about just in terms of how to control the spread, it really comes down to two things. And I think we're even seeing it play out here on the Johnson College campus in our own safety plan. Um, stopping the spread comes down to two things, masks and distancing. And typically it seems like if you're able to control that, um, you can you can control the spread. But one thing that I know was discussed early on, and I don't hear as much about it now, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it, is how, you know, when we think about the air we breathe um, and share, how do HVAC systems, um, you know, how does that impact, you know, the situation with COVID-19? Does it help the spread, deter the spread? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first, thank you, Dr. Katie, for having me here today. Uh, to go into your question, uh, there's many aspects to this. You just mentioned the CDC. The CDC is working close, close, very closely with an organization called the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers. They set all policy, all guidelines, and all de for design and application of HVAC systems. Specifically, what I think you're probably referring to, and most people are referring to, is air changes per hour. So that right now is all being worked out. They really have to figure out how much an HVAC system can stop or you just, I believe you mentioned block, the spread of coronavirus. There's a lot going on with that. It can't happen quick enough as far as the new guidelines can come out. And then it will be reflected in the upcoming quote codes and designs. I hope that answers mm -hmm. you an idea. It does, thanks. So are there any existing built-in precautions when it comes to HVAC? systems just in, in general in terms of surely, surely the air we breathe in with the air changes per hour right now ashray had set forth and had, remains to be air changes per hour based on usage hospital we're in a uh, on a college it's ed educational there's a set guideline of air changes per hour in a room when a system's properly designed installed and tested and made sure and maintained it's doing that it's getting in fresh air it's relieving air and it's changing the air in that room so when we think about an environment, let's say like a hospital, and somebody says, well, you know, they're creating a sterile environment, like what exactly does that mean? That's a great question. Well, specifically, let's go to a OR, or operating room. An operating room, just as one example of this type of uh, scenario you're asking about, that is 100% outdoor air coming in, 100, and it's being treated to whatever temperature or humidity is desired, and then being exhausted 100%. So that area is isolated in, for all intents and purposes, it's isolated from the rest of the hospital. There's two other kinds of isolation control we do in a hospital, or you might even do, who knows, by the code and down the future on a campus. Let's just say, again, hypothetically, they determine that there should be an isolation room located in every campus across America. This isolation room would be either positive or negative. It would either keep, it, keep the, a uh, person who is in that room from being infected by those around them or from an infection getting to them. In this case, I would say it'd be the, the latter, not the former. So this is some of what our students like learn here at the college, whether they're in HVAC or electrical instruction and maintenance technology. Some of those courses are interdisciplinary courses, so they're learning a little bit about each. But sort of in general, um, like 
how do HVAC systems work? Like I'm always fascinated to know exactly how something works. And again, especially now in this environment, I think people are more, you know, curious now more than ever to understand like, okay, like I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. It's simple. But as you mentioned, there's systems all around us regulating these things. So just sort of like on basic terms, like how does, how does an HVAC system work? How does a car work? simple. Yeah, it's got wheels. HVAC system, for at the very base root, you're you're providing in a climate and in an environment. It's, most people obviously they go right to temperature. We all know that we can mm -hmm. feel it, but there's also humidity. That is also uh, there's guidelines for that. There's preferences for that. They, we, you employ boilers <coughs> and chillers, air conditioners. People call them air conditioners, but they're massive chillers. There's even chillers on rooftops and built into units. You use these fundamental pieces and parts along with ductwork and fans and coils to move the medium, the heat and the cold. And it's funny because people think you make cold. You don't make cold. We remove heat from a space. And I, I know you know that from being here at the college, and, but a lot of people don't know that. They think you're making something cold. You're removing heat. That's refrigeration. So you use these these basic fundamental pieces and parts and systems. And what that does is the net result is that 70 degree air in this room we're in. The right amount of air changes in this room. The humidity, the way we desire. I hope that answers your question. Mm -hmm. That's good, thanks. So a lot about temperature. Um, so we're wrapping up the summer here at NEPA. We're going into fall. Um, and again, we're thinking about the right temperature, as you mentioned, in our rooms, in our houses. Um, and now I have to admit, like I'm a fresh air gal. So the minute I, I know I'm, I'm probably not the norm, but the minute I get in my car, I'm throwing back the sunroof, putting down the windows, and I don't care how hot it is, like I sort of want that fresh air circulating through the car, same way at home. But most people aren't like that. They want that perfect sort of, as you mentioned, 65, 70 degrees. We want it 365 days uh, a year. Um, so just from your perspective, like what, I mean, is that healthy? Is that good? Like what is that like doing to our lives? Wow. Specifically, what do you mean? What is that doing to our lives? Well, just, I guess, you know, we all want to be comfortable, sure. but is there ever a time when like, it's okay to be a little bit on the cold side? Is it okay for it to not be the perfect temperature? We all want these perfect environments, um, but it just isn't reality, or is it? No, it's a tough question to answer because as you're asking me, you're tendering the question, I can see it in your face. We're sitting in a room right now, myself and you, we are at the same temperature and we're both experiencing it differently. So when you go into a big building or even a small building and there's however many occupants, we can have that room at the design temperature that the engineer determined. And it could be perfect, I'm doing air quotes, mm -hmm. but yet, or end yet, what the two or three or however many occupants are experiencing it differently. That is an issue, it's a challenge in HVC to try and make everybody happy. I'm like you, I like it cooler myself than warmer, but that's, that. then there you have other folks who it's the same temperature and they're freezing, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know if there's really an answer to this one. Mm -hmm. I think we're both gonna pretty much agree that that's kind of a situation that exists with HVAC. It's also an opportunity because now what a lot of companies have done is we are really tailoring, even though it might be one big space, 
Mm -hmm. We've come up with a lot of solutions for personal environments, Mm -hmm. uh, which is another thing that we'll see that will remain to be seen how it works with where we're headed now with COVID. Mm -hmm. Because as you well know, most people are working from home right now. So it's giving ASHRAE and the CDC and everybody time to work to figure out what buildings are going to be when everybody comes back. And then these personal environments will help more. So looking at the future now, so let's just say we're, you know, through COVID and or even, you know, now within COVID, what are some of the regulations that you see coming down? Like, how do you see the industry changing as a whole? Some quick points, and I don't think it's any secret. I believe you're going to see a lot more around filtration. There's a HEPA, which stands for doesn't matter for you right now. It's a grade of filter that's used, it's, and there are several layers or levels of HEPAs that are used. There will be a determination made on what level of HEPA it takes to more effectively combat or capture COVID. That's, that'll be remain to be seen. There will be UV lighting, most likely UV lighting, uh, which is a filter, a filtration system where you use UV lighting to kill bacteria in the airstream there will be most likely guidelines for certain applications. I don't believe all. I believe that will play out. And then back to air changes per hour. I believe you will see far more scrutiny around air changes per hour, not just the way they're designed, Katie, but also the way they are employed and measured, tested, maintained. I believe right now, you know, my own personal opinion, I believe we're a little loose on that. When, you, when I say we, I'm saying we as citizens in the United States. Mm-hmm. When I go from building to building, application to application, I look at different standards. And I believe there will be a lot more scrutiny. The scrutiny that a university like yours, a college like yours, or a hospital's held to is different than some of the places right now everybody's allowed to go to. And that causes some controversy. Mm-hmm. That's great. So this creates a lot of opportunity for potential Uh students. (laughs) Um, As you know, the HVAC program here um, at the college maintains a steady and growing um, enrollment. And it really is because of the things that you're touching upon. There's there's always work. There's always changes. Whether someone's here in northeastern Pennsylvania or they move out west, you know, closer to Arizona or California, um, we always need really good technicians um so let's let's talk a little bit um about like our you know relationship johnson controls and johnson college and specifically you um being involved here at the college because we really rely on partnerships the partnerships that we've had um with johnson controls and um, with you being on our program advisory committee and now our board of directors so um could you just share a little bit about how that partnership has grown and how you you got involved at the college and why it's a wonderful, wonderful relationship, and I'm very privileged and honored to be part of it. I say that stuff, and I don't say it lightly. I've been working with the college now for over 10 years with the, uh, a PAC committee, specifically with HVAC, and that's been a wonderful journey. To your point, how important it is that industry and the college are symbiotic. And when I look at what we've accomplished, the effectiveness and the efficiency of that HVAC program, the fact that uh, the, it all comes down to what is the output? What is the, how well equipped is the student when they walk out of here? How highly sought are they? And as you and I are nodding and giggling and agreeing, highly sought, very effective, excellent. So that, this journey that I've been able to be on with, this, with the college and it gets better all the time has just been fantastic. I can't say it more emphatically. And now working with other programs and helping them as well, 
but yeah, when I look at how what we've accomplished, what you what the college has accomplished, it's just amazing. Yeah, the industry partnerships are uh, they are so essential at this point. Can you talk a little bit about, I know um, you've brought on interns from the college, um, and so could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The internships are wonderful. The internships for anybody out there who can seek one or somebody interested in bringing on an intern would be are just a wonderful opportunity, not just for obviously the student, the intern, but for the organization. It's important that everybody goes and does something for a career that they enjoy. We know that. You and I have mad passion for what we do. People have to go and find that. That's trial and error. Working with one, with one organization in an internship capacity gives people an opportunity to find out what that organization is really about, for that organization to find out about how that person, that individual works there. That's, I think, what our internships always did. The, uh, we, I think people tend to focus just on the experience, technically, but it's really about teaming and the work you get and the behaviors. And so our, our relationship, our uh, past, should I say, experience with inter- internships were wonderful. There have been some where, hey, this is not for that person. And it, it, what's nice about internships is it's prolonged, again, the air quotes, it's, it takes some time, which gives everybody an opportunity to really storm, form, form you know, perform. And it's, it gives them time to figure it out. Uh, a lot of our interns obviously become employees long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, personally, Johnson, locally, we're, we have a small presence compared to many of the employers for the college. But the majority of our, our technicians, uh, not just technicians, grown, grown on to be project managers, salespeople, and so on and so forth. So many other avenues you could go in are from Johnson College. Mm-hmm. And that really attributes to our high placement rate. As you know, most of our students, no matter what their program of study is, um, have a job in their field um, before they even cross the stage at graduation. I know HVAC over yes. the last few years has enjoyed mm-hmm. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that statistic. Yep. Um, so speaking of that, we really, you know, I've often said that here at Johnson College, we can't produce our students fast enough, whether we look at a Johnson Controls or we look at any, you know, Anybody. one of our industry partners that we're connected to. And again, this is a great lesson through COVID. Um, every single one of our majors ended up being connected to an essential business. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a lot of ways, even though the college had to shut down, we were able to keep going because we were able to create these experiences out at industry partner locations mm-hmm. for our students. Um, and it was a win-win for mm-hmm. both because they're still, you know, even now on the other side of COVID, many of them, they're still experiencing that skills gap um, and they can't find skilled technicians fast mm-hmm. enough. So let's talk a little bit about what we need to do um, to get the industry ready um, for the next generation and how, how we can encourage people from all backgrounds to consider a career in some of these trade and technical areas. I know you and I have had a lot of discussions just about diversifying um, different industries, um, whether you look you know, here at Johnson College, <coughs> our diversity in our student population is growing. Um, <coughs> Maybe not as quickly as I as I would oh, like, no. but it is Never. it is growing. Um, we are getting you know the word out there um, to different populations. But just in terms of the industry, what do you do? You see some different efforts taking place to try to increase diversity, whether it's more women in the trades or more individuals of of color. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very quick to say it's not just some initiative. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's 
truly something that we all need, we all require uh, for the college, for industry. We need to make sure that as many people as possible, potential students, people looking for careers, looking for a way to build a life, find out about these trades. Find out about not just the trades, but where they go. I don't mean to digress, but I've shared with you personally, and I think it's important for me to talk about now, where I, how I got to be who I am professionally started out in a technical school. If I wasn't lucky enough to be sitting in a classroom and have somebody come in from industry and explain, you students sitting in this classroom today are going for this thing, this, this one skilled trade, this one skill that you're learning and growing in here, be, be aware that when you walk out of here and in the future your career could go in all these other different areas, all these other different uh, segments within e each industry. I honestly didn't know. Back to how important it is that the industry is paired with the college already, the way you've done it, the way you do it here. So your students are hearing about this and it's not by an accident or just it caught it. I was lucky enough to get that presentation. We weren't partnered with industry back then. So I was made aware at a very critical time in my life of what I was going to school for. Wow, the sky's the limit. I could be, end up being somehow lucky enough where I am today. It was gonna take a lot more education. You and I talk about this, education is lifelong. I believe what the college does today is the start. You encourage them to go on, but the areas and the avenues they can go into are just amazing. And this is the place to start. And I've said it before, and I know it's quoted in our book, you know, the technical education is the hinge pin to your career. It will go on for the rest of your career. I would not be a general manager today if it weren't for my technical start, because mm -hmm. that's what I'm here today talking to you about, technical. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's answering your question. Well, so how do you, just taking that one step further, how yeah. do you see, like, are there ways in which we can partner just again to promote, um, you know, people from different backgrounds to look at like, industry? diversity, you're right. What I found is a lot of us were lucky enough to grow up with uncles, fathers, people who we knew firsthand growing up that were in the trades, were in these industries. A lot of people weren't that lucky. They weren't that fortunate. They weren't exposed to it from an early age. They don't know about it. They might know about it almost just in passing. But what you've done effectively, and you look at the rankings you have now year over year of bringing in diversity, you're getting the message out there. I, I hope I'm helping out. That's what hopefully, hopefully we're doing today. Getting the message out. This isn't just something where you go and you learn this one skill and you do this for the rest of your life. It's a starting point that can take you in so many amazing directions throughout your career. And a, and a wonderful way to make a living, not just in, in the way, in way of financial, uh, yeah, you know, how you earn, but also how you feel about it, your fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be exposed to as many women and diverse populations as possible. Yeah. So in terms of just creating more opportunities, so do you see, um, like, would it be impactful to sort of be even more intentional about the way in which we place certain students in certain industries for a, an internship experience? Because again, if they've never had that experience before, they've never been exposed um, to it. We try to do 
I think we're getting a little better at this, um, just matching students. Like you said earlier, I think you hit on something really important just in terms of fit and just, you know, somebody might do an internship or do a live, one of our live labs at an industry partner and say, you know what, I thought I wanted a big company. I think I want to try a smaller company. Um, so do you see programs like that being, you know, effect, like more effective over time just in terms of figuring out maybe sooner if the employer and employee match is is a good one? I believe the fair answer is we're finding out right now, right? Because it's, it's almost uncharted territory. Let's be mm -hmm. honest. Uh, what we're talking about is something that's a growing and burgeoning movement. And I believe we have to keep tweaking it. The biggest thing I know you and I have talked about is staying well connected with these students to not let them spin in the wind, let them falter, flail. And I believe the instructors right now in the courses, not just HVAC, are so well connected with the students here. We're, it's not impossible. We can't have hubris, but I, I believe the school's set up so that we can keep tweaking it to make sure they're in the right, they're in the right learning environment, they're in the right internship, they're being paired up right. So when you interact with our students, I know you've done this a little bit through the again the program advisory committees. Um, what do they what do they share with you that their you know best experience is? I believe that the what's wild about it is the school so well set up right now in teaming, which is something you and I we all know that's been a long play within the United States to move education and make it more team based. I was lucky enough, even though I'm a lot, you know, I'm, I'm a little older. I, I've been lucky enough that team-based was had come in even while I was going to college and at, you know, technical school then college. And what I, I found is the way that's set up right now in your learning programs, that everybody's tied together, the outcome's tied together, that's what they find when they get out in the industry. It's really the same way. The individual contributor is still an important aspect. I believe everybody needs to go out and do their very best on their very on their own for themselves. But when you're working in that team environment, you get out there, you realize how integral everybody is. The weakest link, again, air quotes, joking, but hey, if somebody's not carrying their weight, that shows up very quickly. The team base, the team can pull through issues. It, it's a wonderful experience. And again, you've started it in the classrooms. They see so the feedback I get from students is it's pretty cool when I come out and I work and I realize how tight your team is, Steve mm -hmm. at Johnson. But I was kind of set up for this because that's how we did it in school. And to see that, you know, the team-based thing is happening out in the field, it's very reassuring to them. Yeah. They're not just walking in someplace and it's like that first day of school on a movie where you don't know anybody and the whole world's against you. It's not like that. Yeah. So we started redesigning some of our programs because of just that. We were hearing this kind of feedback from industry and how important it is that they want the most well-rounded technician to come out of here, not just with the technical skills, but the soft skills so that they Absolutely. know how to operate um, in a team. So what we're doing, as you know, is more of that interdisciplinary coursework. So, you know, H the, our HVAC students learn a little bit of electrical construction. Electrical construction learns a little bit about HVAC, carpentry. You know, they all learn a little bit about um, drafting. So just in terms of where, like, specifically HVAC is going, and I think, you know, you touched upon this just now, but um, do you see that just growing, like, more, like, again, being able to work in those interdisciplinary teams? Absolutely. I was one of the first people who pushed when the HVAC program was being put together, or it was just, it was it just started off, 
to really push a lot more on getting soft skills. Because what we just talked about, team-based is soft skills. It's how you work with other people. It can go hard for a long time or it can you can work more partner better and, and move along quicker. Soft skills was huge for not just the college but for industry. As far as the rest of the, the other things that have been added, I know we worked on safety. We mm-hmm. talked about that and now you have OSHA tied right into things. You, you keep, the school keeps putting in all the things I think people need. And we're up to the minute. We're up to speed all the time. But it's, it's the, uh, as far as well-roundedness, it's a really great focus here and the students come out very well-rounded. So let's talk, let's focus a little bit on those soft skills because it's something that I feel has been like sort of hammered into us here at the sure. college. Every time I go out to an oh, industry yeah. partner, it doesn't matter which program it's connected to, employers go on and on about the critical importance of soft skills. And just thinking about HVAC and all the different career paths that students can take, I mean, they're, they're talking with customers, they're interacting, they're negotiating. Do you, do you feel, you know, not Johnson College specific, but just in general, um, you know, obviously we know it's important, but do you, do you think, you know, technicians understand just how critically important it is to be able to, you know, convey something, information to a customer? It's a tough conversation. It's always been. You're talking about somebody who came to something typically because they're technical, and we talk in these terms of introversion and extroversion. I myself started life as an introvert. I've shared that with you. And when you're talking to an introvert about becoming really bubbly and talking to people and being really, you know, great with people, yeah, you're, you're scaring them. You're scaring them. The way you explain it is, and you win them over over, and over time, is that their success is dependent upon the perception of how good they are at their job, not just how good they are at their job. It's a fundamental thing that they come to over time and they get it, that you can change from being an introvert to an extrovert. You can keep introvert, introverted tendencies, but yet develop your, your extrovert. You know, uh, And I think that's what the best technicians do. And they come to it over time. When any employer hires somebody new and they're growing them, there's an investment, there's a time, you mentor them. You do it right and you grow that side of them. I believe the college right now with the teaming I discussed before, the way we're challenging the students right now to communicate better and not just verbally, but your favorite way in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the world is not a text. Everything's not a text. You're snickering because you know what I'm talking about. You see this. Uh, we can't bill somebody what we bill at because we're, this person's the best person possibly to come out and fix the problem. The bill has to be concise. The way it's explained, what we did while we were there, what we found, what we proposed, that takes writing, that's communication. I believe the school's doing a better and better job of that, and that's something we'll continue focusing on, but that's another thing we have to keep driving home, the written piece. We all go right to the verbal communication, because it's obviously what we see first, but I think the writing, we've got some catching up to do. Mm -hmm. Across the industry, maybe across the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Good right. thing we added that technical writing class. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we did. Exactly. <laughs> For this very reason. And, and it's wildly important, and it's very good that you did. 
Yeah. And, you know, again, looking at the different industries, like you said, the importance of it being able to explain something to someone. Um, you know, we look at some of our other, you know, industries, whether it's diesel, auto, and then oftentimes, too, even just manufacturing, when you look at how many companies are still even working in shifts. So the person that started on one job might not be the person that's picking up that job or finishing that job. So even being able to write um, the work order or being able to do to kind of exactly. tell the story of what's going on with whatever piece of machinery the student's working on um, you just I mean I'm getting like very like passionate about it now yes. but it, it's just it's very um, critically important so we did add that technical writing class for those very reasons so you know students can take either English 101 now or they have the option to take technical writing and I have a feeling that most of our our you know students that are in the, the you know trade focused are going to choose the the technical, the technical writing class which is excellent. yeah yes. Um, so looking at, like, if you look at, you've hired a lot of people, mm -hmm. and when you look at sort of the, their sort of breadth and, and scope of skills that they come out with, um, what do you think is the most, like, important skill for someone to, to, to come out with as they're starting? Well, and you're going to snicker. Or attribute. Well, you're going to snicker, because it just sounds so generic, but it's attitude. And when I say that, it's of course, it's obvious. Everyone wants a wonderful, positive attitude. It's very tough to maintain a positive attitude in such a, in so many trying and challenging situations. But if somebody's matched with the right career that they have passion for, they take pride in, they understand the problems or opportunities. You know, I, I often joke it, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll have an issue arise and everyone starts, you know, piping up with all of the, the aspects of the problem. And I'll just start laughing and they know what I'm going to say. If these problems weren't here, we'd have nothing to solve. We wouldn't have jobs. We wouldn't have careers. These are good things. How we approach them, how we're positive about it, makes it go that much easier. So I think the attitude is, is honestly the most important thing. If you have people with the right building blocks, you can teach them almost whatever skills because they have the right attitude and they want to learn. That's what you're seeing more and more of your student base here do. You're getting more and more candidates for students. And those students who really want to do this stuff, they're going to have the best attitude about it. They're going to go out. And that attitude is their signature. It will be their signature. It will, it will decide who goes the furthest in their career. Fair? That's, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So looking back like on, on your own career, um, what advice would you give yourself? I mean, it's kind of, I know, you know, oh, no, you just talked about terrible. attitude, but what advice would you give yourself or someone? I mean, we just had our graduation, um, as you know, uh, beginning of August. Um, like, what's the what's the piece of advice, you know, beyond attitude that you would give someone well, starting out? There's no straight lines. There's no straight lines. You do not know where you will end up 10 and 20 or even 5 and 10 or smaller increments. You have no clue where you will end up. Take the road. Go go wherever, wherever you, you really feel as though is the best. Don't be discouraged when you take a path and go so far down it and find out this is not for me. The quicker you have that epiphany and change course, it might seem like a loss at the time, but know that as long as you stay, you keep seeking a path that you have passion for, you're on the right path. You will end up probably nowhere where you thought you would be. When I think of the fellow who you know, started out his career, me, back in the day, and where I'm at now, I never would have believed it. 
and I'm just nothing but gracious, gracious and honored that I was able to find my way and have the opportunities to get here. But it was because at every juncture I pushed and went past fears I had, things I didn't think I could do. And it was because I had people around me that helped me, that mentored me, because you're in the right place. And saying yes to opportunity. Yes, absolutely. You have to keep pushing. You have to say yes. And maybe not every opportunity, but you'll figure that out as you go. And yes, more than no, to your point. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. Thanks again so much for being here today. This is a great conversation. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. My privilege, my honor. Thank you. Find all Tech Talk with Johnson College podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Johnson College. We work.